Hello. 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 And welcome to Mobilize. Mobilize is a podcast that puts a spotlight on and is a resource for people, people, friends, communities, communities activists, activists who've decided to stand up, resist, 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 fight back, mobilize. Each day, together, together, we shine a light on the we truth. Shine a light on the we truth. focus on the things that unite us. We pull each other up. We celebrate, we celebrate our, our shared humanity. humanity. Episode two, we're his problem now. I fight because of all the women in my family, uh, all of all the strides that they've made in this country for even hundreds of years. And I feel at this moment we are taking a back seat and I can't let that happen, especially because I have a daughter and I want her to be given every opportunity that I have been given, my mother has been given, and my great-grandmother was given. I fight because... Somebody has to, for those that can't defend themselves, and I don't want to look back and think, why didn't I stand up sooner? I fight because I am unwilling to assume that somebody else is going to fight for me or for my friends, and the stakes are just too high. I came to this country when I was four years old. I myself benefit from DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival. I am undocumented, unafraid, and here to stay. Things are moving fast. Every week. Every day, it seems, the Trump administration and their enablers and collaborators in Congress commit a new atrocity and unleash more violent and regressive policies against working families and communities everywhere. It has been a whirlwind. Unfettered deportation squads tearing people like Daniel Ramirez Medina, Carlos Hernandez, and Daniela Vargas away from their families without due process. The Muslim bans, both one and two a plan to increase military spending and simultaneously defund pretty much every other federal institution, and a continued steady stream of ethical violations and lies. But just as fast and twice as determined, people all over America are mobilizing and fighting back. We are fighting back and we are winning. Hundreds of thousands of people across the nation took their representatives to task at town halls or held their own if the reps wouldn't show. The first Muslim ban was declared unconstitutional, and the second one is headed to court. Andrew Puzder had to withdraw his nomination to be labor secretary. Michael Flynn, former national security advisor, was forced to resign amid scandal. Attorney General Jeff Sessions was caught on tape committing perjury, has recused himself from investigations concerning ties between Russia and the Trump campaign, and is facing loud calls for his resignation. We're together and now we're joyful because we're fighting for something so great, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can do it. Oh, okay. Up up for liberation, down, down for deportation. Up, up for liberation, down, down for deportation. Up, up for liberation, down, down for deportation. The response to our first episode was amazing. We've received more inspiring stories than we know what to do with. For the last few weeks, we have been conducting interviews with everyone from first-time organizers to resistance songwriters. Each person we talk to gives us more reasons for hope 
and more people to interview. This next story about Google DocuVist Kara Waite comes from friend, documentary cinematographer, and now Mobilize producer, Matt Bockelman. So I don't know how familiar you guys are out there with Google Documents, but when they're shared across you know, the internet, when you open it up, you can see how many other people are on there. And I remember one of the things that I noticed right away was that hundreds of other people were on this spreadsheet called We're His Problem Now. And it just felt like they're all anonymous, you know, they're all really goofy little names like Anonymous Badger and Anonymous Squirrel. Um, but it felt good to be part of this anonymous zoo of people that all wanted to get involved. What is this document? So Kara's document is, is really simple. It's basically a list of phone numbers for our elected officials and a weekly call to action, like a weekly script that tells you exactly what to say and who to call. And it's incredibly simple and straightforward. And it's so easy to use. And it takes all of the confusion and the fear and the self-consciousness out of this act, uh, which before I opened that spreadsheet, I had never once in my life called an elected official. Uh, but this document that she's created really does make it easy. And once you make a couple calls, it gets kind of addictive. The document itself is kind of mysterious as to who the author is, right? It's just signed Kara at the bottom. So no last name, no real contact information. Um, but like clearly it was being updated regularly. So it was something that this person was really committed to continuing. Um, and so we thought, well, we should really reach out to this anonymous Kara person. And, you know, we weren't alone. I think the New York Times did a story about this sort of uprising of activism and, and this kind of crazy influx of calls that started happening in congressional offices around the country. And they found Kara and they did an interview with her. So <laughs> that's where I learned her last name. Uh, and armed with a first and last name, I took to uh, Twitter and um and Facebook. And I found her, you know, I found a, I found a Kara Wade on Facebook and I sort of cross-referenced that with some Twitter posts that I saw and took a chance and just kind of made a, made a random Facebook message. And she wrote back immediately and agreed to talk to me. So here's the conversation. Hello. First of all, thank you so much for helping us out and participating in this little podcast. You are so welcome. So um, do you mind if we just dive right in? Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Just full disclosure, I, I disabled video because I'm still in my pajamas. Totally get it. <laughs> thank you so much for we're his problem now. It's been an incredible resource and a thing to help me especially just get up off my ass and start doing something so yay that's great that's exactly what I wanted for it so I'm glad it's working out in that way for you I made this resolution last year in January that for every ranting Facebook post I made I was going to have some kind of action to back that up so I had this whole list of like ways that I could 
be active. But the thing that really stuck was making phone calls. It kind of morphed into this spreadsheet that I made with all of these talking points for various causes that I was finding myself calling a lot about. So probably like a week after the election, I jokingly posted, hey, who wants a calendar invite to my weekly call with Paul Ryan? Because I always joke that I call him every Monday because I have a reminder in my phone that says call. Call Paul Ryan. Call Paul Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's right. So you'd already been doing this. Oh, yeah. I, well, I, the, this I, document was yours personally. Yes. So I had that there just because if I was at work and I caught a headline about something that kicked me off and then I rattled off some Facebook post about it and then I'd go okay I'm going to call this guy and tell him so I have all my reps numbers in my phone I also would call party leadership a lot because even though I'm not their constituent I feel like okay Paul Ryan Mitch McConnell these people who are always loud and in the press are the ones who have to deal with the press when they say or do something stupid and they are they work for us like the second you step onto a senate committee or into party leadership you work for America not just Wisconsin, not just Nebraska. So yeah, I had my little document. Anyway, I posted this kind of tongue-in-cheek status about, I think my exact words were like, who wants to join this call um, with me every Monday from now until I die? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was funny because a lot of people commented, oh my gosh, I want to call him, but I do have a script. And I was like, okay, people, really? What? And then I laughed at laughing at them because I thought, okay, well, I kind of do have a script because I have my little list, you know? So I thought, what the heck? I'm just going to put this in a Google Doc. I mean, I had a Google Doc. So I was like, okay, I'm going to clean it up a little and then I'm going to share it. And it just got shared a ton. I thought, what? This is so funny to me because it just goes to show you that I think people really want um, a tool for doing something that seems simple but is also intimidating. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, can you talk about how widely the spreadsheet has been shared and your sort of reaction to how quickly it spread? So I know it got shared just from my Facebook post, like I think more than 12,000 times, which is really funny to me. Um, so my reaction, and I, I, it's so hard to tell how many times things have actually been shared because of their linked in other places and tweeted and all of that stuff but seems to be a pretty big following and my honestly my reaction is just a little bit of snark I think oh god I would have made this a lot prettier if like people I knew this many people were gonna see it (laughs) and then the other thing is just I feel really hopeful like it gives me a lot of hope that so many people were looking for something to do and that maybe I helped them find something to do. And even if it's not this, maybe this was a good introduction for them into something else. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely tapped something. There was a need out there. People were kind of bouncing around. Yeah. It hit a weird raw nerve that I didn't anticipate hitting. So clearly you speak with a lot of knowledge. I can tell you've been doing this for a while. So when did you first uh, get activated, I guess? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't remember a time when I wasn't volunteering for some organization. Um, But I would say what really changed for me was in my early 20s, I moved here to Boston and I took a job working in a community college that is mostly immigrants, mostly people of color, and mostly women. Um, We have students from 89 countries represented. And that, for me, I think I can pinpoint that as the moment when politics became something that wasn't just theoretical that I enjoyed. It became this thing where it's like, oh, I see now this is making decisions that 
really do affect people's lives. And I think that was my first experience really being in a place that was truly diverse and that I had direct personal contact daily with people who are extremely vulnerable to things like anti-immigrant rhetoric or sexism or racism. And not to say that I didn't always know those things existed, but it became this really, really powerful realization for me. And I, I think this protective instinct kind of kicked in and I thought, okay, like, Whatever I'm doing, I always have to be speaking up for the most vulnerable. You mentioned people ask for a script, right? Because they're afraid that somehow Paul Ryan is going to actually get on the phone and be like, well, let me tell you why, you know, someone's going to challenge how thorough your understanding is of whatever the issue is you're calling about. So for folks who might be a little bit intimidated about making that call, what's it really like? I think a few things to always bear in mind that really help me are, one, whoever you talk to is likely going to be an intern or a staffer. Um, and they're likely going to be somebody who's been answering a lot of phone calls. So they are not going to sit there and have a foreign policy debate with you. They're not going to ask you what background you have that qualifies you to state your opinion. The most they'll ask for is your name, um, where you're calling from. I think it's like calling the cable company to set up an appointment or calling a doctor's office. It's very low key. Cool. And, um, you know, you prioritize the phone calls over emails in the document. Can you talk about why the phone call is more, a more effective way to communicate than the email? They're kind of instant, right? You talk and then they check the box about the issue that they call you called about and then they move to the next one, right? So um, they're just, I think, more urgent. And if you have to answer the phone all day long about border policy or abortion bills or whatever, you can bet you're going to mention that to your boss who's going to mention that to the official and there's going to be a conversation about it. Sure. And I guess, you know, it's easy to ignore an email. Like you said, if you're answering phones about an issue all day, you kind of have to eventually deal with that issue if you want the phone calls to stop, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, please stop calling me. Right. Um, and there's a reason that things start to go to voicemail, right? It says it's all the lines are tied up. So, you know, why not talk to them in the most uh, persistent. And I, I hate to say the word annoying, but come on, it is annoying to have your phone constantly ringing. They want to not have that happening. So, you, you know, know, it's funny. I saw something the other day about sending faxes to your yeah. congressional leaders. So there's that option too out there apparently now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And there is nothing more annoying than the noise that a fax machine makes. So good call. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, how do you choose the actions that you're putting in your in your document, your call to actions? And can you maybe just give us a little rundown of the stuff that you've put in there so far? Great. Okay, this is a great question. So the choosing the actions is actually strangely complicated. So what I try to do is I try to look at social media and see what kinds of posts people are making about calls to action. Um, I also pay a lot of attention to what's making headlines in terms of what terrible, baffling thing Trump has done lately. Um, and I look for things that are backed by reputable sources as making a difference. So for example, there were a lot of calls to action about calling um, the DOJ about 
um, the election and audits and recounts and all of this stuff. And I saw a few articles coming out about how, okay, well, the DOJ does not <laughs> decide to investigate something because a lot of people call about it because it's just a completely different entity, right? Like the DOJ is not supposed to be uh, representing the American people in the way that a congressman is. So something like that isn't maybe the most effective use of time. I want to give a little caveat though and say whatever you're doing that motivates you and feels productive and gets you on board to doing more stuff, you should do it. So like if calling the DOJ, fine, go ahead, call them. Like I'm never going to tell somebody not to pick up the phone. But what I'm interested in finding is those things that are going to give us the most bang for our buck, so to speak. Um, so I try to do that by kind of vetting all of the noise that I'm seeing on social media about various political issues. So it just takes a lot of like legwork and research. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear you talk about focusing on campaigns that will actually be sort of considered by the people that you're reaching out to, right? So the DOJ thing, sort of debunking this idea that calling in will make a difference. Uh, and I wonder if you have any other thoughts on uh, convincing folks who think, oh, they don't care if you call, they'll just put a check in a box and that'll be it. Um, any, any, anything you can point to to say this works? Okay. People have their own agendas. Um, there are all of these special interests going on behind the scenes and there are deals and all of the stuff that you always hear about with politics. But here's the thing. It's like you either sit and do nothing or you do something that has been proven to, at the very least, have someone have to respond to you. And I know that it can seem discouraging. It can seem like, oh, what difference does it make if I call this guy 11 times about this issue? He's already decided. But this is one of our few tools available to us to actually try and make a difference. And I, I know from issues that I've worked on in the past that there is a cumulative effect to all of this. The, the needle moves, but it moves very, very slowly. So a week's worth of phone calls is probably not going to move the needle, but it is going to make someone in, you know, a certain congressperson's office sit up, take notice, and maybe mention that at the next meeting they have, you know? And I think that it just, it's such a long, slow painful game to make progress. And I think that you always have to remember that. Any, any, uh, advice for how you sort of keep your stamina up for things like that? You know, in the, in these few weeks since the election, people have obviously felt very motivated. Um, but weeks turn into months and we don't see the kind of change in action we want. How do we stay engaged? One thing that I look to when I am feeling discouraged as I look to the really powerful politicians and representatives out there who have made this their life and who agree with me. When I woke up after the election uh, with my eyes swollen shut from crying, the first thing I did was go to Elizabeth Warren's Twitter feed to see what she had said, because I find so much reassurance in somebody who is such a strong woman and such a strong, you know, supporter of people who really need her support. And so I think I would encourage everyone, find someone who really inspires you. This sounds so, so cheesy, but find somebody who inspires you because they're going to do things that make you feel better, like feel less hopeless about the world. 
I think too, the thing that I always try to tell myself is that progress is a long game and it's painful and there are regressions and it's always incremental. It never happens overnight. And I think you have to start celebrating the small victories, right? Otherwise you just get so discouraged and tired. Yeah. That's good advice. I was going to say, you do you do all this work as a volunteer. Yeah, outside my normal job. I teach English and I'm a freelance writer. And um, so all this stuff is outside my my regular work. So what would you imagine is a, a, a reasonable amount of time for someone who has a job that takes, you know, most of their time during the week? How much time should regular folks who want to be engaged be spending making calls and, uh, you know? Um. I say like 10 minutes a day, start with that, you know, start small. Like I don't, I don't say like, Oh, you need to spend four hours a week doing this. I think there are two civic actions that I would recommend for every single person in America who wants to get more engaged. And the first one is calling. So spend 10 minutes a day calling, put some time in your calendar. And then the other thing I think is find an organization that speaks to an issue that is important to you and find a way to get involved. Just about every grassroots organization worth its salt has some kind of like 30 minute meals type of volunteering, right? Like something that you can do with very limited time. Sometimes they just need people to sit in a seat. And so, oh, I could go sit in the seat on my lunch hour wearing this t-shirt. Or sometimes they need you to sit outside a farmer's market for 30 minutes and hand out brochures, whatever. Um, I think the other thing I would suggest is like, find out when your city council meeting is and commit to going once a month. Like, just go and just sit there. It's usually, like, an hour. There's usually, like, 20 people, and most of the time they have donuts. So just go. <laughs> like, just, <laughs> just like, go. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I think that's a really important way to get involved. So I think trying to make that habit is, is also a really good start if you don't know what to do. If you don't know what to do, show up at your city council meeting. You've described yourself as an activist and as a slacktivist. So I was wondering if you could define those terms. And uh... So, okay. So in terms of slacktivist, what I mean by that is I have a big mouth and I will talk about politics to literally anyone who will listen, but kind of making my big proclamations about what I think about immigration policy or what I think about feminism or sexism in the workplace. Like that's not in and of itself going to change a lot. Um, So it's really just making me feel like I'm involved and making me feel better. Right. Um, So I think slacktivism is fine because I compare it to like venting to your friend about your bad job or like your bad relationship. The problem is, is if you keep venting to your best friend and you never look for a new job and you never break up with your bad boyfriend, then you're just somebody who's slacking and sitting there complaining. So I think it's critical to combine it with that activism piece, which is actually doing something about it. I always say you can whine all you want as long as you're working. And most people are capable of whining and working at the same time. Last question. What are you seeing out there these days that gives you hope? What gives me hope is... gosh, my students give me hope. Like they are seeing that map that came out a few days after the election of like, this is what it would look like if only millennials voted. The idea that these young people have found ways to care for each other and be empathetic to each other and be um, accepting of each other's differences in a way that past generations have not been able to do is so inspiring. And I'm just so grateful that I have 
you know, had any role in that. Like my, my students just, they keep me going totally. And I feel like my voice is cracking because I'm like tearing up a little bit, but yeah, I mean, that inspires me seeing how young people wanted change and went out to try to get it. These people are, I'm so mad and sad that, that we have this mess that they're going to have to spend some of their energy cleaning up. But I am really inspired by seeing how committed and caring they are and how empathetic they are. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm just curious, what's next for you? I know you're moving, so maybe you're going to turn a red state blue, hopefully. Um, yeah, maybe. I, you know what? I'm ready to, to kick some ass in that category. Um, so what's next for me is that I am working on turning all this spreadsheet stuff into a website and potentially down the road a nonprofit. Um, I'm really passionate about trying to figure out a way to combine my skills as an educator with my interest in civic engagement. So I would love to develop some kind of civic, civic engagement curriculum type program for adults, because I think we need it. A lot of us have forgotten basic things like how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> um, who is a useful person to call? <laughs> the emoluments clause was a thing I definitely don't remember learning about. I know, I know, I know. There's class. so many things. Every time it comes up, I'm like, whoa, wait, I got to reread this. I do not remember that. So, That's, yeah. Well, it's good to hear that the, uh, the uh, spreadsheet is going to grow and evolve. Well, keep us posted on the, uh, on the, on all the new developments. Since we recorded this interview, Kara has indeed turned her spreadsheet into a website. The site is named for the 65 million people who voted against Donald Trump. You can check it out and start making calls at the65.org. Hi, I'm Tom. And I'm Madeline. And, uh, Elijah's in the background making some noises. Uh, together, we have been rallying and protesting our little tookuses off uh, ever since the inauguration and before that as well. And the reason I do it is because I feel like I can't help it. Uh, so enraged by what's going on, so concerned for my neighbors, uh, I feel like failing to act would be a really terrible mark on what I did at this point in history. So we've been as active as we possibly can be, right, sweetie? Right. Uh, what is your favorite chant at the protests? No hate, no fear, refugees are welcome here. Yeah, that is a good one. Have you been to Lots and Lots with me? Yes. <laughs> and we're going to keep going. We have to. Thank you for listening to Mobilize. We want to hear your story. Go to www.mobilizehere.com and submit your story.
embrace us, we're raising our children.